Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 38, which begins with Toe Cutter firing his shotgun, and it ends with Bubba Zanetti criticizing Johnny's style. So, we pick up where we left off yesterday with Mudguts just putting his face all over that mannequin in just the most distressing style. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Now... I was looking through the continuity error page on IMDb, and I noticed an interesting detail about this mannequin that they've been just getting all up on for the last couple of minutes in the movie. And according to IMDb, the mannequin is named Polly. Polly Styrene. That's wonderful. Because I just like that they gave her a name. I mean, they she goes through a lot in the very short time yeah. that she's on screen. I mean, she gets molested and shot in the face so the very least they could do is give her a name it's adorable that they would give this this fleshless mannequin a name when they wouldn't give like yeah that's how many other women in this movie have names and they gave a name to the mannequin the woman who actually gets raped doesn't get a name but a mannequin gets a name yeah way to go 1979 yeah way to go very 1979 (laughs) we also get i think Maybe a partial line, maybe the first half of the line was in the previous minute, but it's Kundalini commenting about the skillfulness of his hands. Yes. He should have been a surgeon. And I, I just thought it was funny that he later on loses one of those hands. I was say, if joining a motorcycle gang killed his dreams of going to medical school and becoming a skilled surgeon, I think having one of his hands ripped off by a station wagon definitely killed that dream. Oh, yeah. He's not going to bounce back from that like you know doctor strange in the marvel movies or anything like that yeah yeah he certainly is no doctor strange well i mean he's strange but he's not a doctor (laughs) so they're carrying on over by the mannequin meanwhile toe cutter is just sitting there watching this on he kind of pulls his you know baked potato blanket off of his head and then he gets everyone's attention by firing the shotgun that he's holding up into the air which i just say if you need to get everyone's attention you know, you can whistle, you can shout, or, you know, shoot a firearm into the air, and everyone in that whole scene just drops silent. You know, it's like a it's like a seashell. If you hold it up to your ear, you can hear this scene, you know, making the sound of the ocean, because that's all we get yes. after that shot. So he, he shoes away mud guts mm-hmm. and has Kundalini lean the mannequin against a post. Yeah, and I really enjoy the delivery that Hugh Keysburn gives here. Oh, yes. The way he just pronounces their names, because it almost seems to add a little bit of extra characterization to them. Like when he says mud guts, he yells mud guts. And then when he says Kundalini, he goes Kundalini. Yes. I, I, there's just so much personality in the way that he speaks. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. But he wants mud guts to get out of there because mud guts is just going to get in the way. And then he wants Kundalini to put the mannequin over by a post so that he can have a bit of an object lesson, assumedly. Uh, so what I like about this is that 
After getting everyone's attention, every time Toe Cutter speaks, he has everyone's undivided attention and concentration. Despite how rowdy the gang was in the last minute yesterday, here they are 100% fixed on everything he's saying. And Mudguts, which is usually just dumping around like a monkey, I mean, he immediately just freezes and obeys when he's given an order. And I find it interesting when Toe Cutter tells Kundalini to put the mannequin against the post, like one of the first things that Kundalini does is he stands up straight and he like takes off his sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Because there's that whole thing about, you know, when you're talking to someone, you know, and you're in a situation where you're not in a blindingly bright area and you have the ability to take off your sunglasses you know you take off your sunglasses so they can see your eyes it's a respect thing definitely i up to this point in this scene at least they have been you know rowdy goofing around very undisciplined group when in reality they actually are very disciplined he gave a signal that it was time to pay attention and they immediately like switch into respect mode Mm -hmm. so i think they actually are quite disciplined they just know when they don't have to be and when they do have to be yeah toe cutters are really good about giving them enough leeway Mm -hmm. on these you know theoretical leashes these mental leashes that he has them on he can let them out enough that they can let loose and have fun but as soon as he pulls on that leash like you said they snap right too yes so Toe Cutter gives a couple of instructions and then he kind of launches into this this little speech of his where he starts off by saying, we have a problem here. And just that first line, he has this weird little inflection in his voice where he says problem here, where here kind of ends with not a full laugh, but it's sort of like an uptick where it's almost like he wants to chuckle at the idea that, you know, someone would want to mess with them. That the idea of them being challenged by the bronze is just laughable to him. The very situation of it. We don't know a lot about this gang's history. But I kind of assume we talked... Okay, we talked uh, several episodes about about movies covering the most interesting part of a protagonist's life. Right. So kind of along those same lines, I would kind of, I would assume that this is the most interesting part of the gang's life too. So I don't think that before now they have really been questioned by anybody. Yeah. Like they, you know, when the gang first started or was handed over to Toe Cutter, you know, he established his authority within his gang, within the community, and it hasn't been questioned in this way since then. That's an excellent point. I haven't, I didn't think of that before. The idea that they probably have been running under the radar enough that this is the first time they've really had a major run-in where one of their top members was taken out by the police and that the police have actually, you know, taken into custody another member of the gang. Mm -hmm. And for all intents and purposes, they kind of got out of this situation just because of luck. The fact that no one showed up to testify against them is pretty lucky. Well, I don't think it was luck. I think that the gang intimidated anybody who could testify against them into not showing up. Very modern day mob-like. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was their doing that nobody showed up for the trial. I didn't take it to be an accident. Mm. But yeah, where they are being actively challenged by an antagonist to them... You know, this is a this is a problem that Toe Cutter really needs to adjust, or um, Ed, he really has to 
This is a problem that Toecutter has to address, definitely. So he goes on to say that this mannequin is not what she seems. And I think we interpreted this slightly different, because he says, She is not what she seems. Bubba Zanetti has it on good authority. She's sent by the bronze, full of treachery. Yeah, I took that to mean a bronze spy. Someone who is reporting back to the bronze on... Their location, their motivations, their plans, which didn't make a lot of sense to me because the idea of a spy hasn't come up before. Yeah. And hasn't been suspected by us before. So it seems a little bit out of place to me. Yeah. I read it more as the mannequin in this instance is not so much like a tracking device or a listening device, but is more just an illustration for a metaphor that Toe Cutter wants to launch into. He basically wants to illustrate to the gang that as he's speaking and for his purposes, this mannequin is going to represent the bronze. He wants to basically tell them that the problem that they have is that the bronze are after them and we have a plan to deal with them. And so he motions over to Bubba Zanetti, who is holding this little wooden box thing, which we're going to find out what that is in a couple of moments. But he motions over to Bubba and is sort of saying to the gang, okay, we have a problem with the bronze. Bubba is going to demonstrate how we're going to deal with this situation. And he wants to convey this idea without coming right out and saying it. He is a fan of the subtlety. Oh, certainly. Toe Cutter, for all of his larger-than-life-ness, is actually very subtle in the way he speaks to people. Mm -hmm, Certainly. Toe Cutter says that Bubba has it on good authority. And when did... Bubba, I don't, I don't know where he got that from. Bubba never said anything to him about the bronze or the mannequin or anything. He said something about frivolity. That's the last time he said a line was about frivolity as a game of children. Yeah. So when did, when did they come up with this plan that Toe Cutter was going to do the intro and let Bubba do this object lesson? When did they come up with this plan? Yeah. I mean, is is their relationship just such that Toe Cutter said these things and Bubba knew what he was supposed to do? I would like to think that Bubba has been running with Toe Cutter long enough that they don't necessarily need to plan things out so much as Bubba's really good at reading the intentions of Toe Cutter Mm -hmm. and going along with them. Because when Toe Cutter begins his speech, Bubba is already prepared. He already has... You know, that little wooden package I mentioned earlier, which is actually just a gun with like a fancy carrying case. Like he already has it ready to go. So this might even be something that they they planned ahead of time. Maybe they talked to the side because Clunk comes back with this mannequin and then Toe Cutter immediately wants to use this mannequin in an object lesson. So it's almost like, did Clunk randomly come back with the mannequin? Is this a non, is the whole thing completely off the cuff? I almost have the suspicion that Clunk was sent out by Toe Cutter and saying, hey, find me something like this, you know. That kind of makes sense because we don't usually see the gang members separated from each other. Right. I mean, we saw Johnny separated from them and that just didn't turn out that great. So we, Clunk was separated. He left the group yeah, and the by la- himself. So maybe he was sent. Yeah, we see... Okay, so Johnny is left behind at the crash seat. Bubba is sent back to get Johnny. And then in the next scene where everyone's together, Clunk is returning with the mannequin. So I have a feeling that Toe Cutter is in the habit of sending gang members out to do specific things. Yeah. So I think it's very reasonable to say 
that this entire scene was prearranged by Toe Cutter as he planned it with Bubba and then instructed Clunk to go, you know, find something that they could use. And he okay. just came back with the mannequin and it worked out well for Toe Cutter's plan. I do feel like that takes some of the gravitas out of the demonstration from Toe Cutter. I, I kind of prefer the idea that it was off the cuff and that they were, that he and Bubba were like reading each other. Yeah. Because it gives Toe Cutter more power. But it's also more, I think it's more realistic that he had this planned out. That right. he sent Clunk out. I think that's more realistic. But being the whole thing being off the cuff lends more to the persona and the legend that Toe Cutter is. I think it's more important for it to appear off the cuff and mm-hmm. unplanned than it is to actually be unplanned. I think there's a lot that Toe Cutter does behind the scenes that the other gang members don't necessarily see. Yeah. And so Bubba is probably allowed to hear a lot more than the other gang members. Yes, I do get that sense that he's Toe Cutter's, well, right-hand man, of course. Maybe not confidant, but maybe along those lines. Right. Someone that the Toe Cutter can talk to more than he can talk to the gang as a whole. Mm-hmm. So after the Toe Cutter mentions that the mannequin is sent by the bronze full of treachery, he uses a phrase, the bronze take our pride. And this is an idea that kind of crops up in later minutes down the road. But that's kind of the unofficial signal to Bubba for him to step forward and, you know, demonstrate what they're going to do to the bronze who take their pride. And as he steps forward, he has a gun. And this according to the internet movie database, is a Mauser C96 broom handle. And it's one of the first handguns that has like the integrated magazine there. It's actually a pretty iconic little firearm because it's just so recognizable from its shape. It's got, like I said, the box magazine in the front, the long thin barrel, and it's got that handle, which gave it its nickname in English, the broom handle, because it's just this little, you know, broom handly looking thing. Interestingly enough, in China, the broom handle was given a different nickname. It was called the box cannon, primarily because the magazine is kind of boxy shaped, but that wooden box that Bubba was holding earlier is actually a detachable stock that can connect to the handle of the Mauser C96. So you can essentially turn it into like a a small rifle or something like that. But when you don't have it in rifle mode, that stock has a little hinge at the back and you just slip the whole gun in there. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's a nifty little thing for him to have as he steps forward. It reminds me, it's German, I take it? Yeah. Okay, it reminds me of something that you would see in Indiana Jones and... Search for the Holy Grail. Yeah, one, one of those. Of the Nazis. Yeah, one of the Nazi well, ones. Yeah, lots of Nazis. Yeah. There's two Nazi ones, one Indian cultist, and then one Cold War Russians, I think is the other one that no one talks about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when I saw it in the movie, I immediately thought of Indiana Jones. Hmm. It's not a bad thing to think of. No, no, Absolutely not, not. So at the, almost at the same time, slightly after uh, when Bubba starts walking forward Johnny also jumps into action. Oh, yeah. He notices that Bubba has a gun and he's stepping towards the mannequin. And I think Johnny is picking up on what Toe Cutter has to say. In this little blurb that we get, he doesn't come right out and say that they're going to answer insult to injury. He doesn't specifically say that they are going to kill police officers because the police officers are directly challenging their enterprise. 
but Johnny is looking at the mannequin who Toe Cutter essentially said represents the bronze. He's looking at Bubba who has the gun who is stepping forward and I think it's at that point Johnny starts putting two and two together and he springs into action. Which springing into action while you're hanging out on a beach is just not great because he he seems to be fighting through the sand Mm -hmm. during his the whole thing that he does here. So he lunges towards Toe Cutter, grabs the shotgun, which is pretty ballsy, grabbing shotgun from your gang boss, uh, grabs the shotgun, kind of runs in front of Bubba. As he's trying to aim. <laughs> as he's trying to aim. Not very safe. And he's already like half fallen down by the time he gets off his two shots. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is very clumsy, which would he would have been clumsy anyways, because he's a clumsy person. Uh, he, he doesn't have, well, he doesn't have the style. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Bubba says in a couple of seconds. But add the sand into that where he never has good footing, never has control over even his own body or real control over the gun. So what he does is not only very dangerous, but spastic. Yeah. And the fact that the first shot from the shotgun hits the mannequin in the chest and the second shot hits the mannequin in the face. We we both have problems with this. Yeah. Different problems. Yeah. I think your problem with scene stems directly from what you were just talking about. Yes, the the sand. So he kind of runs into position, already half fallen down. He shoots from the hip and he manages to hit the mannequin twice. Yeah, and I mean... I just don't believe it. I know that shotguns are extremely easy to hit your target with and he was pretty close to them. So I'll give him, I'll, I'll give him that, but I still don't think that both shots would have hit the mannequin so well with the circumstances of him shooting. Yeah. I have more of a problem with the fact that he hit the mannequin (laughs) twice. Absolutely. Because what he's holding, once again, went back to the internet firearms database. He's holding a VG Bentley double-barreled shotgun. Now, the, the shotgun itself is pretty interesting, but the whole idea of a double-barreled shotgun is that each barrel, as you open the breech, is able to hold one shell. You fire off your two shots, you open the breech again, you take the empty shells out, you put the new shell in. You know, that's not groundbreaking stuff. What is kind of world-breaking stuff is that Toe Cutter's sitting there, he fires off one shot from the shotgun. Okay, that is one shell expired. There is one remaining. We, at no point, because I paid very close attention to everything this shotgun did in this minute, there is never one point where someone opens up the breech, empties out the empty shell, and puts in a new one. And so, Johnny running over and firing off two shots, that's just magic. That's like, it's like the movie Maverick, where he just has a never-ending six-shooter. Yes, seems to be a common Hollywood trope. Yeah, and I mean, bonus points for for it being Maverick because it's another Mel Gibson movie, but at the same time, (laughs) like, killing me with this continuity here. So, like I said, there's an interesting thing about this shotgun specifically because it's theorized by people who have paid attention to these things that there was only really one VG Bentley used in this movie because there's a couple different times we see it. The first time when we see Roop with the double-barreled shotgun, that's a VG Bentley. We see it again in this scene, and then down the road we're going to see it again when Jesse is being threatened by the gang in the woods and 
Max goes in to check out the situation, that's another VG Bentley. And then at the end of the movie, when Max has his shot off, uh, at the end of the movie, when Max has a sawed off double barrel shotgun, that's a VG Bentley as well. And in fact, eagle eyed viewers have noted that there's a, like a small white ring around the base of the grip in the sawed off shotgun that's very similar to the one seen here and then apparently there's something with like the proportions of the receiver and the checkering pattern on the the locking screw on the forearm are all very similar so it would seem that this shotgun that toe cutter is using just happens to be the same one that Roop was using and etc 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 which kind of makes sense considering they had such a small budget on the movie that if you've got a working shotgun maybe you don't have to buy three more <laughs> yes yeah no reason to buy three when you just need one yeah it's just funny that it seems this one shotgun is just being passed around to all these different things (laughs) and i guess you can kind of imagine like maybe in universe after roop and charlie slide into the sign he dropped the shotgun out of the the window or something like that but when you try and connect it that specifically it gets really convoluted very fast i've tried and it does not work yeah (laughs) but as the, the mannequin falls into the sand, we get Johnny spinning around and just kneeling in the sand as he lets out this just exclamation of, if you're going to waste the bronze, you got to do it big. And where Toe Cutter was going for subtlety and metaphor, Johnny is just coming right out and saying it. And I feel like that goes very much against what Toe Cutter is trying to go for, and it's exactly why Bubba thinks that Johnny just doesn't have the style. Yeah, I... Johnny, hmm. when you interrupt somebody's metaphor, you take a huge risk because the nature of metaphor, there's so much subtlety to it. Mm -hmm. You could start out with a metaphor and take it several directions. So Johnny, assuming that he knew where Toe Cutter was going with his metaphor, was very risky. And I don't think he hit the nail on the head. I I don't think that Toe Cutter was going for wasting the bronze or doing it big. Right. I think he was going more for retribution with precision. Oh, absolutely. Because that's what Bubba was... Bubba was approaching the shot with... A handgun, taking careful aim. So I see precision in that. Planning, knowing what's going to happen, and then in in swoops Johnny with this flailing, lucky to hit the mannequin in the head. And it's just not, it's like the complete opposite of where I think Toe Cutter was going with his metaphor. I feel like Toe Cutter is much more apt at psychologically terrorizing people. I think we'll see that much later when he confronts Jesse at the farmhouse after they run into each other at the the ice cream parlor and in the woods. Um, And the scene at the ice cream parlor also is, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something else. But Johnny is of the opinion that they should be going all out and just being very... (laughs) over the top about it Mm -hmm. and you know toe cutter's just not like that no and toe cutter's the boss for a reason exactly he knows how to slow burn the situation yes for a greater chance at success yeah i think johnny's assumption and overreaction to the situation definitely highlights i think how new to the gang he is Mm -hmm. you know yeah toe cutter probably sees a lot of potential in him bubba certainly doesn't like him and i think yeah he's got a lot to learn you know and as Toe Cutter says, he needs to be taught. And you yes. know, he thinks that he's going to be the one to teach him. And in, you know, coming tomorrow, you know, Toe Cutter, 
puts Johnny in a situation where it's it's a lot of one-on-one instruction. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a lot, but you know, it it says more than it actually has in dialogue, for sure. Yes, for sure. Join us tomorrow for that nice little interaction. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com/madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 38. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men. Take me to the edge of the dream. Hold on tight.